0: The thing about coaching is you you're 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 best as a coach when you are not at the center of the relationship when so so coaching i can say more about what exactly i mean by coaching but really the upshot of what i think effective coaching does is it takes the client and centers them radically so what they want what they are like how they can
1: make progress i'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey without a strong why
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm here with Rory Tyre. Rory is an executive coach and leadership development expert who helps business owners and their leaders get clear on what they want to achieve the growth that they need to get there. Um, Rory, I apologize right off the bat for mispronouncing your last name, but uh, (laughs) I should have paid more attention to that. I'm embarrassed. So it happens I apologize, all the apologize, but thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for taking out the time. Hopefully you can forgive me and we can move past <laughs> it to have uh, a great conversation. So, so, but genuinely, thank you very much.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Let's start with just,
2: you know, kind of hearing about you, hear your background, tell us your story, and then we'll just dive in from
0: there. Yeah yeah i you know so currently i work for a pretty large professional services and accounting firm called horn Uh, i work fully remotely i live here in greenville south carolina Um, i'm married uh well our 10-year anniversary is next may got three daughters a couple of dogs and uh uh, horn is in like 14 states in puerto rico and dc and uh, i i am an executive coach and so i work as part of a small team called accelerate and we work with primarily construction and manufacturing companies Um, just, I work with directly with leaders and owners, um, my emphasis is on executive coaching and leadership development of, of intact groups and teams. Uh, but then I end up sort of helping out other aspects of our teams in different kinds of conversations. Um, the route to get here was a little circuitous. I'll I'll give you kind of the highlights. So back in the day, I actually went to seminary. So my life was on a very different track. I thought I was going to get my master's, get a PhD and teach. Then I got really burned out in academia, um, And right about the time I got really burned out, I got an opportunity to work in the marketing department for uh, the the university system. And that opportunity did a number of things. It was one of those like it sent me on my first work trip. You know, uh, my, my boss was an amazing leader who valued flexibility and results more than, you know, having a butt in a seat. I I got to teach myself videography. We get to totally overhaul how we marketed the the system. And it was really great. That led to a couple of opportunities, which eventually I moved. I was in the Chicago area at the time, um, became vice president of marketing for a nonprofit after that for several years. And through that, and particularly through the CEO that I was working with, uh, he became a mentor, very good friend. Uh, He introduced me to the world of leadership development. He had had a long career before that in a very large global uh, leader development company called the Center for Creative Leadership. And um, we co-founded a a consultancy together, he and I and a couple others. And uh, eventually we stepped away from the nonprofit to focus on that consultancy full time. And then Horn, my current firm actually hired us, really hired me uh, to build a high potential leader development program. So Horn went through significant like 300% growth in a short span of time had a cohort of prospective partners that needed to be developed. And so that's what brought me to Horn. So I I was a consultant for about nine to 10 months of that program and they offered me a full-time role and it just was a great fit. And so I've been working for them remotely ever since. And and so my coaching, I I would just to sum that up, I'd say my vocation is coaching. I really, the ability to sit down and have that one-on-one impactful relationship with someone over six to 12 months is the thing that matters most to me and that I enjoy most. Uh, and then I get to kind of have my hands in lots of different kinds of projects because of my work right now.
2: Yeah, it sounds. I mean, it sounds like a super interesting sort of path. But also, just what you're doing at this point is, is uh, I'm sure fascinating and and also uh, I would imagine you know kind of inspiring and invigorating to to coach people and have you know kind of see their growth. I think mm-hmm. that was that was a thing that yeah. um, I. I, I'm a veterinary surgeon. I I used to train residents when I worked as a W two job, and it was just mm-hmm. like that was one of the things that became really like the highlight of my my yeah. job. But that point was like seeing people over that span of time, you know, sort mm-hmm. of just get better at the things that you're teaching them. So, but yeah. you you know, it does sound like a kind of um, roundabout way to get there. Do you do you feel like that was something that always came naturally to you? Is that something you had to really kind of learn uh you know a process for coaching or is just something you kind of developed
0: on your own yeah that's a very good question i think i going back to even when i was young i think i had the ability to get up in front of people and and speak like it never I wasn't really ever afraid of it. A, a long part of my path that I didn't talk about was I um, was in a band for a long time. And there's still a bunch of my music online. But so getting up, you know, in, in front of a room is not a big deal to me. W- coaching. Um, the, I think the thing that I had was I really enjoyed asking people questions to clarify what they meant. There was always something where I was like, I want to understand really what what you means. I feel like we're not you know, like if I'm in a meeting and I feel like everybody's just dancing around something, I I tend to be the one who's like, "Let's talk. Like, what are we really talking about?" And so I had a friend who I was doing some work together with the nonprofit, and we had done a session. And after the session, she turned to me and she was like. I, I think you could be a good coach, but you need training. <laughs> it was like very direct, and it was it was awesome. And so i I ended up going through a formal program. and then part of getting your uh, you know, the International Coaching Federation is the largest global accrediting body for for coaches. And um you know the word coaching can mean anything. <laughs> you know there's right. a lot of people that do and that's fine. you know, it's the internet, it's marketing, that's great that for me, coaching means I've been through a pretty rigorous certification process that I had to put in hundreds of hours of coaching, I had to demonstrate that I understand a code of ethics, and I had to submit recordings and people, people judge them, you know, and I'm actually in that process right now to step up to the next two of three uh, levels. And so, to me, that was really what opened the door was I got that feedback, I think you could be a good coach, you really need work. And I'm glad she did that, because it led me to something that once I was in it, I realized, oh, and so the thing I would say is, I, you heard me say earlier, I liked being in front of people. The thing about coaching is you you're you're your best as a coach when you are not at the center of the relationship when so so coaching, I can say more about what exactly I mean by coaching, but really, the upshot of what I think effective coaching does is it takes the client and centers them radically. So what they want, what they are like, how they can make progress. And so it was actually really healthy for me, even on like a moral and spiritual level to go through that training because it decentered me. Like I had a lot of ego and I got a lot of enjoyment from being the person at the front of the room and that had to get broken down. Otherwise, I wouldn't be a good coach. And, and I'm, that's not all gone. But when I'm in coaching mode, that kind of goes to the background and I'm able to elevate somebody else. In a very, very specific way, where a lot of coaches, what they're really doing is teaching a method, or they're consulting, or they're mentoring, and that's fine. Those things are great, but that's not what I would call pure coaching, where it's radically client-centered.
2: And you're coaching in a like a one-on-one scenario, or you're coaching to. I know sometimes with like corporate coaching and things like mm-hmm. that, it's like it's like group, you know, one to many. But yes. you're you're in you know, sort of a one one-on-one scenarios with the, your I clients? I do both. Is that,
0: okay. Yeah, I do both. So typically what it looks like is a leadership team will hire me and other team members. So usually we're doing a bunch of stuff. Maybe you'll have somebody acting as a fractional CFO or a managed accounting team, or even some marketing folks. And then there's some people solution stuff as part of that. And so I'll coach two or three members of a leadership team. And then I'll also lead kind of monthly group coaching or leader development. And so leader development is more curriculum driven where we've got frameworks that we wanna help them apply to to improve themselves and their business. Group coaching is more of like, okay, we have an intact team and y'all are doing okay, but you need to hear and speak with one another more effectively. And so I'm not coming in to teach them something, I'm more helping them have a more productive conversation. Uh, And the hope there is that once I leave, they've developed like new muscle memory for having more effective meetings and working through disagreement. Uh, because I don't want them to need me. You know, I want them to really depend on each other uh, long-term. So I, I get to do both. I think the one-on-one is a little more satisfying because you just get to see like those aha moments where somebody's like, oh my gosh, I've been thinking this thing for a while and I didn't know how to say it. And then they they can think it and then act on it. That's really satisfying. Yeah. So
2: you said something there that I that I find interesting and I want to kind of ask you a question. That <laughs> So you said, I don't want them to need me. Mm-hmm. and th- so and this is not to offend uh, therapists mm-hmm. and things like that but i feel like sometimes you get in a coaching or a therapy type situation and it it i'm the type of person that wants to like find resolution mm-hmm. That's like like i like if whether it's for coaching i want to get better at something yeah it you you specifically said i don't want them to need you and it and it's an interesting you know can can kind of almost take this both ways like for example if you look at like a strength and conditioning type coach yeah. you kind of do need them y- you want to sort of go on and you want to have continue so how how is that i think it's different you know depending on sure. which area of of life you're yeah. actually trying to impact but but because you said that i wanted to kind of get your take on you know sort of do, do you think there's a certain amount of time that you're, you're coaching these folks that's the right amount of time or how, how do you how does that factor into your you know decision and in, in how you're uh, approaching specific clients
0: yeah that's a great question and I, I think it's interesting to play around with those different kinds of support so I would think of coaching as a support profession right and so there's a lot of support so it's important for me to distinguish what I do from therapy as an example uh, but it's it's broadly it's like a supporting. Profession and so, you know, I think we we do six month or twelve month um, engagements, and some of that is just a way to, to to force even some artificial, like like when I used to work in fundraising, one of the keys to effective fundraising is to have a deadline, even if it's yeah. not real the sense of urgency will go up and you'll get more donations if you have a deadline. Well, similarly with coaching, it's kind of hard just to say, well, like someday I'd like to do this, you know? And so when I'm setting goals, it's helpful to say we have six months together. So I want you to think ahead six months from now, what could we accomplish that would make you feel incredible? And then there's a natural off-ramp. I've had people re-up once, twice, you know, for, for longer sessions. Uh, And then, you know, a major part of the work in coaching is raising someone's self-awareness. And so to your question about how long is, is too long, I know that I've done my job, if they get to a point where they become self-aware enough to either recognize I, I still need this or I need to take a break. Um, because coaching can be intense, like you're meeting every other week for about an hour. Yeah. There's not a curriculum, but the goal of every conversation is that they walk away having decided here's one or two things I need to do or try. And then at the beginning of the next conversation, we're reviewing that together, whether you fail or do great, there's always something you can learn. And so that becomes kind of a flywheel of progress if it's working well. And, and that's a lot, you know, depending on the season you're going through, you may just need to step back from that level of accountability. Um, So I don't, I don't know that there's a one size fits all. I mean, if I were going to, you know, when I've worked with people who've helped me like improve my form and working out or something like that, like I, I, you know, I want to learn such that I don't have to them but i think the key is accountability and that's where a coach you know everybody needs accountability and sometimes a coach is that best accountability sometimes if your team is working really well together they become that accountability sometimes you build a habit and you are your own accountability so i don't know that there's one right answer but i think a lot of consultants in general get a bad rap because they either deliver a report and then walk away and aren't actually helping with accountability you know, like, a, like a strategic plan. like, here's your strategic plan, it's in a binder, and then, you know, no one does anything with it, because they don't actually know how, or here's your new brand package, and but there's no like social media plan and content development. Um, yeah. So that's one end of the spectrum. And then I think the other end is consultants who really do cultivate dependence, and they're not actually creating SOPs that can be left behind and trained internally. And, and I don't want either of those things to happen. I, I want to do really well. And I want to do it for a defined period of time, as long as it's helpful. Uh, And then leave behind something better, you know, than, than, and by better, I mean, people who are more internally, whether it's inside their team or inside themselves, more internally capable to solve problems.
2: Yeah, no, that's, that's great. I I think that to me, I think you, you were right. The the defined period of time, you know, sort of creating um, that inherent urgency and, Mm -hmm. and in having a deadline, I think is is definitely important. Uh, Can I ask
0: you a follow-up question to that? I'm curious, like yeah. where have you seen, uh, I'm curious for your experience, where have you seen either of those extremes at work? Like either the, I'm gonna drop you some knowledge and get paid and walk away, or the yeah. I'm gonna cultivate dependence where really like you're gonna need us the whole time. Like I'd be, I'd be curious what your either personal experience or what you're aware of with either of those. Cause I really try hard to avoid that, but I know there's yeah. a lot of that out there. Yeah.
2: I so and, and it, again I like uh, this is not to disparage therapists I think they work for some people well for me I have always been kind of that like results oriented mm. person and I feel that a lot of times in therapy like not that there's no benefit but I for me I wanted it to be like this is probably a terrible way to put this, but like, wh- when do we get to the point where I'm like fixed? Like, where's that? like Oh man, we, we can dive them? into that
0: for a while. I know, <laughs> I know, I
2: know like, I, every every any therapist listening to this is like, oh no I, and, it, and I don't know how else to say it, but the, but the point is like, sometimes it it felt like, and I tried I've tried it, it felt like sp- spinning your wheels, and mm-hmm, and I always sure. got I felt better I. I had better success with coaches in the capacity that you're speaking of. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like a, a, uh, six month, you know, a year, whatever it is like a a, a defined period of time and you're setting specific goals. And like, here's your, it, it, I think a lot of it just comes down to the accountability because Mm -hmm. that's why, that's why I like having a trainer like fitness trainer because of the accountability. It's not that I don't know how to go to the gym, but like the accountability to go with yeah. someone and, and the very, uh, variation in workouts and things like that. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, I mean, like those are the, the, I guess the, I don't know if that really answers the question, but like personal sure. experience, I think I, I find sometimes it seems like, like with, I understand people, you you need to let them have their feelings and 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 like work through things without being rushed, but at the same time, it's like it sometimes felt like there were just was no goal, like no. Mm. We were yeah. just, you know, like I can see that. We, you know what I mean? Like, we're, let's yep. we talk about a thing. Okay, we'll talk about this thing again. Well, we talked about that thing last week. Like, it's just kind of. I, I and I know like people get a ton of value out of it and stuff, and i I not telling people don't go to therapy like I'm a a strong proponent proponent for for mental health. I just I think it's it to, the reason I asked the question is because it's about like I guess probably finding what works for you, right? And so what works for me yeah. is to find structure that may not be so other people may feel like if they're trying to address a certain issue. that that they may feel rushed in that. I I don't know, but I'm just saying like, that's kind of, I guess where that question comes from.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. And I mean, this is a helpful way to distinguish coaching from other things. Like I I could imagine having a conversation with you where on the one hand I might say, Hey, I know like you might come to me with an external problem or an issue. um, And that's typically what, why people seek out coaches. There's something external. I know I need to grow the business. I'm having issues with employees you know, whatever. Um, and there's always something I have in common with therapists is I'm we're going to go internal. And I'm going to make clear at the beginning of the relationship, I may ask you questions like, hey, I see some emotion in you right now. Can you tell me about that? And I, I need you to trust me that that question is not a black hole. It's really important because it it's not just about solving tactical problems. It's about making you more of a tactical problem solver, and, and shifting your perspective, where where my approach would be a little bit different is if I hear, you know, earlier you said, I want to know when it's fixed, you know, so the coaching approach to that, uh, my I would immediately just ask you, well, what is, what would fixed look like, you know? And right. so then I'm, so in other words, eventually you're coming up with your own clarity and goals around, well, this is actually the outcome I want. This is why that matters to me. Here's how I'll know. And then I'm just helping you unpack that. And so, really, it's my role to help you build your own clarity rather than than say, okay, if this is what you want, let me tell you how to get there. Um, Yeah, that's a helpful distinction. I I actually had a a client once who I convinced, or I'm not convinced, I helped realize that they needed to go to therapy because they had clinical depression. And so I I just spotted some signs and we realized we're hitting a wall that neither of us are going to be able to brute force our way through and so, you know, the way to do that is I'll, I'll ask coaching questions like, "What has your experience been with therapy?" Very open ended, right? And and so they were able to say, "You know, I've thought about going, but I've never gone before." And then I might ask, "Well, what what would you think about that? You know, do you think that's applicable to this?" So I'm not telling them; I'm just asking. And eventually, they did go and ended up getting on medication, and it was incredible for their mental health. And it's like the meds freed up some space in their brain to help them be proactive and forward thinking because coaching is about looking ahead and therapy is about that archaeology of understanding really why am I the way I am and putting that to rest. And um, so there is an interplay, but it's just so important to. But I think to sum up, I mean, that dependence, I don't want to cultivate that. I, I want people to there's a meme that floats around every so often where it's like eventually if you do your job well, people will look up and think that they're the ones responsible for their own success. And and that's really my goal. I want people internally to feel like oh, I've got this, um, and that's when I know I've done my job.
2: Yeah, and I think so. Yeah, some of the ways you put it, and I, I think definitely there's a distinction in between therapy and coaching, and what and and yeah. like ultimately what you're you're trying to accomplish with those different things. And it's yeah. you know if if you're like trying to grow your business, that's that's an external problem and and yes your your internal issues (laughs) might contribute to some of the things holding you back there but like yeah it it it, i think it's that what you the the cultivation of dependence i think Mm -hmm. is kind of where where, say what you said there is is probably where i sometimes felt that like clinical clinical therapy Mm -hmm. went And, and, and i'm sure that's not for everybody but i I'm I'm sure that's not the case for everybody, but that's kind of how it felt for me. And so that's when when you, it was just like a very tangent conversation, but I think (laughs) it's just kind of how it was, it's how I always felt about it, that it was like, Mm -hmm. it always felt like I was just supposed to do this thing forever. And kind of, I'm like, well, to me, that isn't actually like a resolution, which is maybe what I wanted out of, you know, like I wanted them to ask that question. I don't know.
1: Yeah. but
2: in 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 uh in your bio it says um you're you're primarily serving construction manufacturing and trades companies yeah yeah how how does that why that specific niche what's you know kind of what brought you there
0: yeah you know it's kind of by i don't i won't say happenstance but so you know i'm part of a large firm and we're divided up internally according to focus areas that are industry specific so we've got healthcare government services um public middle markets franchise um and we have a construction services group that has grown just organically over the past few decades and um when our team which is called so my team's called accelerate I'm, I'm a director on this team and uh we're we're small but we I mean we do coaching leader development we'll, we'll do uh, you know work on compensation trips we've got a software platform for managing your workforce that, that uh, you know, we'll do, we have an executive recruiting arm. Um, and so our, our, when we were first spun up inside the firm, our, our really our source of clients were um, horn clients that knew our brand, but knew us as like a tax and accounting partner. You know, they didn't mm-hmm. think of us as a consulting um, or, or advisory partner. And so just sort of reaching out internally and saying hey here's a bunch of things we can do now because we have this team do you have any clients that need this and of course the answer is absolutely we do you know and so the ball kind of started rolling and eventually we realized that our construction team were just the most active engaged and excited partners they were constantly bringing us to meetings, sending us referrals. And our firm went through a little bit of a restructuring at the end of last year. And so we merged, we just looked around and realized we're serving almost entirely construction clients. And so we shifted into that group and kind of refocused our marketing on that. My background personally, I've worked with kind of the gamut from professional services, nonprofits, uh, manufacturing, everything in between. Uh, but it's been really fun to narrow down. You start to see a lot of the same problems you know, over and over again and have the same kinds of conversations. And I I don't have, you know, like I've built a couple of fences but I don't have a formal blue collar background. And so uh, other than like I mowed a ton of lawns in high school and college, uh, but you know, so it's been, it's been really nice to, you know, build relationships with just these really salt of the earth, hardworking people that have built these businesses, you know, family owned businesses from nothing and, and just done really well and and, you know, typically where we'll work with people is they're at an inflection point where they recognize, like, let's say they're second generation or they're enough years into it that they're like, I just don't want patterns to continue. I, I don't want to have to have the same lack of work-life harmony, um, hitting my head against the same wall. We got to pivot. And so, we, you know, we'll come alongside them and help them. And um, yeah, I'm learning a lot. It's just really satisfying um, and just all over the place, you know?
2: Yeah. Well, well and that that's... That the reason part of the reason I asked that question is because sort of construction is is in my background since, yeah, uh, you know, like a teenager. And I and now in real estate, we we you know, we do a lot of value add, we do a lot of construction yep, uh, yep. management through that. And so it's it stuck out to me, but I, I do think, like, I guess having you say that, I'm not shocked that that would be like a high high or a high um client base just because Mm -hmm. the the it is a lot of that like starts from mom and pop you know grows up over a generation and and the ability to you know sort of turn that into a scalable business uh that's a very it's a a needed space i mean i've I've worked for so many contractors and it's like you know mostly guys There, it's it's the working out of their garage or whatever, you know, you show up at their house or, and it's just, and it's just, it starts that way. And then suddenly they're working, you know, 80 hours a week and making a lot of money, but can't, don't know what to do with it.
0: And they're unhealthy. They're not really that happy. They are, I mean, they're frustrated with the quality of like labor or or subs, you know, these are the things I'm seeing all the time. I mean, that, so that, that archetype that you're describing is a dying breed, I think. I mean, there's fewer people entering skilled trades, they're struggling to hire and recruit Our, I think of like the job board that our executive recruiter, I mean, there's like the number of project managers, estimators, chief estimators, supervisors, like the number of these, these positions that we're actively looking for is nuts. Um, And, and so for us, you know, we, we also, we have like a technology consulting arm too. And so we're really like, it, it's a great industry. I think there's a lot of ways that, um, you know, efficiency, having like focusing on employee experience and really treating people well and having some consistency and professionalism, it can go and then, you know, and it's, and nuts and bolts stuff, like teaching people how to delegate and, and getting people's mindset to the point where they can accept 80% as good as how they would have done it, because that's going to help them scale. There's a lot of people, especially in in the trades that, you know, that quality is so important to them, they can't let that go. And then they find themselves constantly taking things back or doing things themselves, and they become a, a bottleneck. And, and and at the core of that, it's not information, they know they should do something different, you know, they know the right answer. There's a mindset shift that coaching and and again, I'm not going to come in and just tell somebody, hey, here's your delegation plan, do this, I want to help them realize for themselves, my life can be so much better and this company can be better, if I can let go of this stuff. And that's, again, one of those powers of coaching is I'm not really, I'm not coming in acting like I can tell them how to do their jobs because I can't, but I can ask them questions to help them have self-awareness and realize and then have their own, they'll come to the conclusions in their own, you know, and that that is one of the unique powers of coaching. Uh, And so because coaching, I don't think is all that common in the construction industry, I don't know if your experience is different, but like. I, almost all of our clients have never worked with a coach before. And I love that because I get to give them what I hope is, you know, a really good first experience because there are so many people that do something called coaching and it may be be good, but I don't think that it's coaching. Um, Yeah,
2: no, I, and, and that is, it is from my experience that I, that I bring that up because I just think it's, it's like, I've never seen, I've never seen anyone in the construction (laughs) world have, you know, work with coaching. I'm sure some of the you know, the larger, sure the, the, the guys that have managed to grow and have large scale construction companies. Or like the lenders of the
0: world or whatever. Like I'm sure right. at some level they're engaging coaches, right. but they yeah. They
2: must, but it's, but you know, the guys that I've worked with and continue to work with, you know, I, I have, I, I do the, the bulk of the construction management for our real estate deals. And okay. I know, like I personally talk to all these contractors and stuff yeah. and like become friends with them. But I also just see like, I see what what I need from them. I see what what really they need for from like a business standpoint. Yeah. And it and it yeah, I think having, uh, coaching to to you know, so many of them like they don't they don't even really have a good way to do their their paperwork, their estimates, their bids. Like they they just some of yeah. the stuff that should yeah. that should take five minutes, it takes them weeks. You know what I mean? And it's like yep. I think they're just that that type of uh...
0: or even just using a using a, a receipt pro like something like expensify you know like I, I take for granted it's super easy to snap a photo but there's a company we work with that until recently they just this this one office lady would get a bunch of receipts dumped on her desk on a regular basis and mm-hmm. you know it's no wonder she's constantly frustrated it's the least efficient process ever and and the, the key with coaching is to engage her in creating the solution because otherwise, as you know, people will stick with what's familiar, even if it sucks, because at least they know it and at least they're kind of the owner of it. And so the nice thing about coaching methodology is I can actually like let her like, hey, what do you want? You know what? Well, let's imagine your better future. And then we may have a technology platform that we can help you implement uh, that will deliver on it. So I'd be curious from your perspective, like what are some of the main um, like what are some of the main problems or needs? We've started touching on some of these, but like what are the ones that you see with the, yeah. you know, the GCs that you work with? As an example,
2: I think I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that it it seems to be a dying breed. I think mm. just finding it, it's just finding manpower is yeah. a huge part of it. And I, and it's funny because I have we have the same struggles in veterinary medicine right now where it's the hmm. the um one of the one of the big things I think a lot of people don't know is during the pandemic, the number of pets in the US doubled. And- It was
0: huge. Everybody bought a pet.
2: Yeah, Yeah. like everybody was bored at home and they're like, let's get a puppy. But at the same time, all of those vet clinics, like a lot of the staff and even the veterinarians left the field. So you had increased, you had an already strained workforce Mm -hmm. and then you have an increase in the number of of patients to see. (laughs) And then a decrease in the number of people to see them, and I know it helped. It happened in 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 human yeah, health lots of other healthcare well areas too. Yeah, that's so funny.
0: Pandemic. My wife works in healthcare, so it mirrors yeah. Uh, yeah. that.
2: It's it's it was kind of across the board. It, you know, it was obviously had a, a big impact in, in virtually every uh, yeah. profession. Yeah. But but on the the construction side and the GCs we work with, it is it's. I think manpower is a hard thing to find. There's not a lot of people that are like going into the trades, right? Mm -hmm. You don't, you don't see, I I, I couldn't tell you what the, you know, enrollment numbers are at the trade schools at this point. Then like, if I assume they've dropped because when I started 30 years ago, it was a, it was like fairly common that like in high school, you might go to college or you might go to trade school. Right. But I don't like, I don't hear anybody talk about that. I don't hear any, Yeah. you know, my kids are pretty young, but like I, I have friends, like I don't hear anybody talking about like, Oh, my kids, my kid's going to go to trade school and be a, yeah. a finished carpenter. My kid's going to go be a plumber or electrician. And, and the thing is like those things are so needed. And, and I know, you know, you, you mentioned like someone, the quality's not as good and you find someone, but it's, it's like, it's a tricky balance to strike because yeah. in in the construction industry specifically in certain things like finished carpentry mm-hmm. you know th- things like that that are that are as much a craft as they are oh yeah. you know a job they, they, that quality matters and it matters yes. to the person who's, you know, kind of receipt, right? It's like, if you're, if you're having
0: a custom, you home have to build, look at it. All right, the time right, right, right. Like if I have
2: a custom home built, I don't want, I don't want crappy carpentry like in that. Yeah. And so, but I think what you're talking about is on the, you know, sort of technology platforms, things like that, like what they have to figure out is how can I use my time where I can create good quality, whether that's me doing it or training yeah. my guys to do it well, and not be buried in all the back end stuff of, yeah. you know, the pile of receipts on someone's office, the, the yeah. example, you know, things like that, like, the, the you have to look at the other things that are sort of creating that bottleneck. And, and yeah, because it's like, it's a, like, it's funny how I never really thought that these two careers paralleled, but it's so funny. Like what in the veterinary world, people want to help animals. That's it. Like that's why people become mm-hmm. vets. That's why they become vet text. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of these trades, like, especially the older guys, they, they want to create, like they yeah. want to, it, to them, it's as much an art as it yep. is anything. And Seeing that finished to, product
0: is very satisfying. It's like, right. I did that, you know, it's done. Yeah. Yeah. Like,
2: you go into this, like, terrible old beat up house and it's like it, there's entire entire television channel based on this like obviously people <laughs> care about it right, right. like people yeah. want to go see something terrible turned into something beautiful and yeah. like the people that can do that it's important like it's important to because yeah. either we're gonna have to build more houses or we're going to have to make the old houses livable. Like those are the two options because people need places to live. And it's just, so I I do think it's like, it's an incredibly important, um, I guess, angle from a coaching standpoint to help with those. Uh, You know, I have, I have friends that own a custom home building um, Mm. company and like, I remember how it was like kind of, I think they've, They've done some things in terms of helping their scale, but like when I, I know how much they work. like I would, I would check my email and be like, why am I getting emails from this guy at one in the morning? Like he was at <laughs> my, like, and I just know because that's when they can do the paperwork side of their job. Yeah. And so it's just kind of get, what you're doing for the trades uh, in the construction industry, I think is hugely important.
0: Well, we, we love it. I mean, it's but yeah. To your point, you know, we w- like one of our clients is a really large oil and gas pipeline construction company. So, you know, the kinds of safety considerations and and technical knowledge and industry knowledge that that's needed for like these positions we're helping them recruit for. I mean, it's just it's h- tough to find. And then the reality is, you, I mean, depending on what region you're in and what you're doing. I mean, you could be in North Dakota, you could be in Houston, you could be somewhere else they're they're you know it's just it's the complexity is staggering and you know there's actually a lot of sophistication in terms of the ability to manage moving parts in different states all of the time and different client relationships but it all tends to rest on just brutal hard work by a few heroic individuals and that's that's the key that we're trying to help people see is like if if one of you has a heart attack or one of you your spouse has a crippling health thing, and you need to to leave, then suddenly, like a whole region might fall apart. And we I don't want to see that happen. I want I want this to be sustained. You guys, you have good culture, uh, you know, and, and, and thankfully, the people that work with us, like it's an investment. And I think they recognize that it's an investment that can help their margins significantly down the line. um, Just because of the of the mindset shifts. And so I'm just fresh off, I did a day and a half long um, retreat with the leadership team of of one of these companies and just getting the group together offsite for a day a day and a half like they just don't ever do that you know and so the power of having people in the room collaborating breaking down barriers you know having hard conversations to a certain extent um giving them some frameworks they can walk away and actually use to run different meetings and like think differently about hiring I mean, it's just, it's a, it makes a palpable difference. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful for the work I do, but it's so needed in the industry. I think one of the things we're wrestling with is just convincing people that the investment is worth it because it requires, I mean, for that day and a half that they're in a session, like there's so many fires that they could be, they're used to putting out and they're not working right. on. You know, right. and, they, and, and the, the president of the company is very aware. He told them, he was like, I know what's happening to your inboxes <laughs> while you're here. And so I appreciate yeah. it. And I'm glad he was self-aware about that. Uh, but between that or then some of these smaller operators who, you know, they, they're they making a lot of money and it's hard for them to imagine spending a certain amount. You know, it's sort of, it's a lifestyle business in some ways. And so right. we, we tend to work with the larger, you know companies commercial, doing commercial construction, and stuff like that, because they tend to understand it more. But I think industry-wide, this kind of leader development isn't, I mean, just to stay competitive for, for, for people, like the people that are applying, if you can build a culture where they like really like you and, and they have yeah. a career path and it's not just about comp- cash compensation. I mean, there's a lot of other benefits and even just basic respect and like investment, like The people I'm coaching, they understand it's an investment in them on behalf of the company. And, um, you know, I think we're, we're gonna, the U S needs more infrastructure. (laughs) Like we need a lot more things built, um, for our needs at home and to remain competitive, you know, internationally. And so, yeah, it's, it's fun for me to think that I'm doing some small part in that, you know, uh, that there's maybe ripple effects to the people I'm working with. Um, and I hope to do more.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like, I agree, totally. I, I think it's, it is hugely needed. I think uh, yeah. it's a. I, I have always been fascinated by the trades. I've, 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 like you said, I worked in construction. I've done, I can, I hate, I hate plumbing. I'm terrible at it. I don't know why. <laughs> but all the rest of a building of a house, I can do it, and and I, and I enjoy it. Um, I, but I, I think that like skilled trades and and the ability to put it all together mm. is like hugely important and <laughs> so yeah i i think that um I, I do think what you're doing is is a very very needed um piece for you know for that industry and you know and therefore yeah. because of that the country in general because we have we have things that need to be built that's just how yeah. it works Like yep. i don't care how much ai you get like things need to be built and at the end of the day that there's going to be some uh somebody's hands on that so um very cool well rory i this is i love this stuff but i I don't want to keep you all day and i want to get to ask you the questions that i ask every guest so um the first one is uh of course based on the name of the show um i I ask every guest what, what is your why what what are you uh you know sort of what drives you what drives you towards success what keeps you going
0: yeah, it's a great question. Um, uh, I think I would say that's evolved for me. And so I think previously, I I just I would have said my why is just investing in people. Like I I I enjoy pouring into people, and coaching has given me a very specific way to do that. Uh, I I mentioned earlier we have three daughters, and our oldest is going to be six uh, in October. And then kind of on down from there. And so I've realized over the past couple of years, my why has shifted to building, um, I think of it as building expansive horizons for them. Like I I want them to have a perspective on what's possible in the world, that like I had wonderful parents, you know, but I want them to have a broader horizon, I think than I had. So that's what motivates me right now.
2: Yeah, yeah, I love it. I, I think sometimes I think I need to change the show's name to the evolution of why, because it, it's <laughs> really, it really has, like, I've realized it in myself. Yeah. And then a lot of my guests too, it's like, you know, you have at certain life stages, different things are driving yeah. you. And I think yeah. like sometimes early on, you're being driven by uh, maybe negative, right. You're being driven by, I don't want to be poor anymore, or uh-huh. I don't, I I've don't got something I to, to prove. With, yeah, right. I don't want to deal with this addiction, whatever, like something like some, yeah. some challenge in your past. And then, you know, of course, a lot of people wouldn't have kids, their wife becomes family. And then it becomes a lot of times, you know, once that's all set, you know, you've yeah. got you've got everything placed place, like becomes impact. So I think it's just, um, it's cool to hear that. And, and for me, like I enjoy talking to people and hearing about that, like evolution. Um, so, so it's pretty cool. Um, tell us something about yourself, and and I may even just <laughs> you, tell us something about yourself that isn't common knowledge. You touched on being in a band, um, yeah, which is as interesting to me because I, I I have nothing online, but I ha- was in a garage band. I just enjoyed it. I just love music. So it's so fun. Uh, man. It's so fun. Yeah. yeah. What, tell, tell us a little bit about, tell us a little bit about
0: it. Yeah. So the band was of. yeah, no, it's called Rory Tire band. Um, I, Dave Matthews was, was basically an idol of mine. When I first really started learning to play the acoustic guitar, he, you know, you learn a few chords and stuff and then you listen to him and learn what he does. And it's like, I didn't know you could treat a guitar that way yeah. and write really catchy songs. So that marriage of like unique musicality and then, the way he brought very talented people around him, and and it made his songs more than they could have been. And then live, they kind of did that again. That was my philosophy. And so when I when we lived in Chicago uh, in particular, I had very talented guys. There's stuff on YouTube, on Spotify. Still, um, a few of my albums have fallen off, and I need to go re-register them. But uh, yeah, it's kind of like um, a lot of folk and and alt rock influences. But our our most our more recent, the last album we put out was in 2015, and I would say that one's sort of like if the killers and third eye blind and Dave Matthews band had like a love child, that that's how we would sound.
2: (laughs) That sounds like pretty good. I'm going to check it out.
0: It's very Uh, funny. Yeah. That album, the EP is called love in the time of social. And it was me just doing a lot of writing about what social media does to our brain. I met my wife on match.com. You know, so I was thinking a lot about like how the internet can both like make connections possible and absolutely destroy them, you know, depending on what you're doing. Uh, And, and uh, you know, and that was proven out even more in, you know, like 2020, I feel like was just uniquely polarizing election season and social media drove a lot of that. And so if that's interesting to you, it's like a very fun album. My sister sings with me in a lot of the songs and she's a songwriter in her own, right? So it's on Spotify, love in the time of social is what it's called.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Definitely gonna check it out. Um, aside from the music, when people hear this and they want to reach out to you, what's the best way? <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty active on Twitter. So at Rory Tyre, R-O-R-Y-T-Y-E-R. Uh, and uh, that's probably the best place. I'm also on LinkedIn. Feel free to connect with me there. I do a lot of writing about leadership and coaching and how to lead like a coach uh, on both Twitter and LinkedIn. Great.
2: Last question for you, Rory. When people are getting Started out, and maybe I'm going to rephrase it a little bit. You know, if you feel like if someone's stuck in their business, right, because this is your area of expertise, how would you suggest that they kind of start to move the needle to get, you know, kind of unstuck to get out of that that place that they're?
0: Oh, great question. So, to answer this question, I'm going to give you a very condensed version of my definition of coaching because I think you can coach yourself. It's more effective with a coach, but you can coach yourself. So Coaching is a way of talking to someone that does four things. Uh, first, it grows their self-awareness. And so if you're stuck, I would say number one is you need to deepen your self-awareness. Understand what you're feeling and why. What does stuck mean? You know, why do you think that's the case? How is it affecting you? And situational awareness too, you know, um, SWOT analysis, stuff like that. So coaching is that process. You, you, you grow in self-awareness. Number two, um, as a result of that, you gain clarity about what you want and so if you're stuck i would say well what what would unstuck look like you know what what are the results that six to 12 months from now would make you feel i'm no longer stuck this feels great and so self-awareness leads to clarity about what you want and then as a coach i help people define coachable goals and a coachable goal is a future state that's going to require you to change in some way to get there or to be okay once you are there and so that coachable goal is really important and you can work on that, just do a lot of journaling and self-reflection by yourself. I help people give you know clarity to that as a coach, but self-awareness, which leads to um, uh, uh, clarity, which leads to coachable goals. And then finally, um, regular forward progress and accountability. And um, if you're doing this on your own, I would say find someone to be accountable with you, share, you know, write down what you want, write down your goals, share them with somebody and then say, can we just talk about this once a week or every other week? Uh, And and just that act of returning to that eventually and and problem solving with that North Star in mind will help you get unstuck. The super condensed version of my advice is find the one next thing you could do uh, to give yourself back a sense of control. Because when you're feeling stuck, it's tempting to imagine that you're a victim. And even if you've been victimized, you're not completely a victim. There's some area where you can take control. And so find that one thing. But that process of self-awareness that leads to clarity about what you want that you formulate into coachable goals and then follow through and progress with accountability. That's essentially what uh, what coaching is, and you can do that process for yourself. That's what it means, I think, to lead yourself like a coach.
2: It's a that's an amazing summary, and a, and and it's funny because back to our discussion on therapy. What I think what I want to have happen in those situations is setting of coachable goals. Mm, like, like when yeah. you said that, I was like, that's what I wanted. That's what yeah. I that's and, and again maybe that's just me I don't know but like that's I want to have those things those things that we can sort of put as a <laughs> as yeah, a measuring yeah. stick that like yeah. like progress is being made so yeah. um, I love it uh, Rory thank you so much for coming on the show this thank was, you this man I love awesome. this conversation uh, this is yeah, great it was, it was really a blast um, folks listening I know you're gonna love this one get a lot of value out of it make sure you check out Rory and his music. Uh, We'll put everything in the show notes, but uh, please like, rate, and review the show so we can get more great guests. Uh, And thank you all for listening.
1: I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.